Hello, and welcome to What the Dev. I'm your host today, Christina Cardoza, and joining me today, we have Jeff Rose, Vice President of Product at the Open Source Language Company, Active State. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, my pleasure. Love to talk about Python. Yeah, so earlier this year, um, the company released a report about the end of life for Python, and you guys found that you know about a third of your respondents didn't have any plans to migrate to Python 3 and end of life is coming up. So can you tell me a little bit more about what the end of life for Python 2 means for organizations and why should they start preparing to make the move? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Python 2 has been um, you know, worked on as a, as a language for the better part of uh, you know 10, 15 years. I mean, we've been through Python, you know, 0 0.9 and 1 and then 2. And then when Python 3 was introduced, um, the you know Guido Van Rossum and the core team decided, you know, that there were some significant changes they wanted to make to the language that meant they were gonna break backwards compatibility. And that's a it's a very difficult call to make when you're designing a language. And uh, each language kind of handles things differently. And uh, you know, something let's say like Java. Uh, they maintain backward compatibility, but that comes with a big cost, right? Um, you know, design decisions you make uh, a decade or two ago may not hold up in the light of new technology or where you want to take the language. So ultimately, with the introduction of Python 3, um, they've spent the better part of, um, they being the, the community and the, the core language maintainers, have spent the better part of a, a decade getting everybody ready to move off of Python 2 and onto Python 3 so that all of the maintainers and everybody in the Python community that are supporting both versions can you know, finally finish off and get to three. So what the end of life means for Python 2.7 here is that there will no longer be any bug fixes, no improvements, and probably most importantly, no security updates into that uh, language. And that includes most of the community packages have also signed on to say, hey, we're, you know, we're happy to move on to just uh, maintaining Python 3. So the, the issue really is, is there's, you know, it's, it's the end of the road for that code base. So how long, um, you know, do organizations have, would you say, to start making the move to Python 3? When should they really be thinking about this? Yeah, so, I mean, realistically, they should have already been thinking about this. Uh, it has been well advertised uh, for quite a period of time. I think the initial, uh, thoughts were, you know, around 2010 or so, everybody started moving. 2014 was like, that's going to be the, the deadline. And it's like, okay, we'll extend it to 2020. So um, organizations should have already been thinking about it. And if they haven't been and they're new to it, um, that's fine. They, they can actually um, make use of all of the content and uh, applications and um, items available to help with the transition moving from Python 2 to Python 3. And so there's a, you know, there's sort of a, a series of steps you want to go through to evaluate, um, you know, what, how much it's going to take for you to move from Python 2 to Python 3. And each case is, is really different, but, you know, I can get into that in more detail if you'd like. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but first, the Python team just announced the last release of Python 2. So do you think this is going to sort of speed up organizations' plans to finally, you know, take the leap and make the move? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we've been seeing a lot of at Active State because we support both Python 2 and Python 3. Um, you know, we've had a lot of new customers come to us and say, hey, I'm still on Python 2. Can you help us out? Or 
can you even you know kind of give us a little more uh, runway until we're ready to get to Python 3? Because you know organizations that have really large code bases, you know, it's non-trivial to to make the change. You know, even though the you know it's this is not a rewrite to move from Python 2 to Python 3, but it's significant enough that you know you need to to comb through the code base in you know a pretty painstaking way in order to make sure that you've got everything moved over. Um, and then by the same token, you've got all of these dependent packages that your code base, you know, in most cases relies on, you know, very few sophisticated applications use just the standard library in Python. So you also have to take that into account. So I'm moving to, you know, a new version of the package on Python 3. What does that mean to my code base? Am I getting the same level of functionality? Uh, and so then there can be some upgrade uh, pains there as well. So they should be planning immediately to do this, um, you know, recognizing that um, security vulnerabilities and bugs do crop up over time. Um, and depending upon their risk profile, that could be something where they should be very concerned about right now, or it's something where, you know, maybe they can do this move, you know, slower because, you know, maybe it's not as externally exposed, perhaps it's applications that are, aren't used like on a daily basis, maybe they're used uh, you know, uh, a little more infrequently. Uh, it really depends on the individual situation, but if they plan on maintaining that application going forwards and they want to take advantage of any of the new technologies, they want to take advantage of obviously having maintained security updates, bug fixes, you really have to move to Python 3. Great, and you uh, mentioned this briefly in the beginning, but what are going to be the differences between Python 2 and Python 3? And, you know, other than the security updates, what are going to be the, the benefits that organizations are going to see with the Python 3 programming language? Yeah, so the, the Python 3 programming language, what they've done is they've really tightened up um, the syntax. So one of the core philosophies of Python is to is to really have just one way to do something and to do it very well. And one of the, the great advantages of Python is it is such a very readable language and it's so easy to work with that um, you know, the, the language designers really decided that they, they really wanted to um, you know, continue to improve upon that. So you end up with situations where um, uh, you don't have, you know, there's only one way to do iterators, for instance, or um, there's not multiple ways to do ranges. Um, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of syntactic things that I think developers will uh, get a benefit from, um, and it keeps things a little simpler. Um, the performance of Python 3 continues to improve. The standard library has tons of improvements in it. Um, it uh, handles asynchronous um, uh, functions much much uh, in, a, in a much stronger fashion. Um, and overall, all the efforts to continue to advance that language, um, all of that effort is going into Python 3. So that's really where you want to be. Since there's so many considerations in the migration process, how do you think organizations can successfully make the move? Do you have any like best practices or starting points for them? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the, the first thing to do is to kind of figure out what the kind of the, the risk profile is for your application and and kind of the utility is and then you'll know kind of how much you want to invest um, and how you know how important it is to do it sooner rather than later 
Um, but the number one thing, and I'll get a little more into the details here, um, is to really start with excellent test coverage of your Python 2 app. Um, because this is going to be vital that as you move to Python 3, that your tests continue to show that that functionality hasn't been broken in any way. Um, so excellent test coverage. I mean, that goes for any development, but particularly important when you're doing a large port. My, my own personal opinion is if you're not on the latest Python 2.7, uh, maybe you're still on 2.6 or an early version of 2.7, it probably makes the most sense to ensure that everything works well right up to the final version. And then once you're on that, and then you can actually uh, run, um, there's some source code translators that you can use. Um, there's something called uh, two to three, which uh, um, gives you the result of your Python two translated to Python three. And then from there, it'll point out anything you need to manually fix up. Um, and then, of course, along the way, you're going to run into the dependencies you have in your code, so the various packages you're using. Um, and you may need to move to, in most cases, you'll need to move to a different version of the same package. Um, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 95% or so of the top 400, 500 packages of Python have already have Python 3 um, packages available. I know when I did uh, I did a blog post on this, I think about 2017, it was getting around kind of 80%. And then they've really made the push. And, and, and that's really why organizations can effectively move to three now, is that the, the, the ecosystem coverage is now, you know, it's pretty much universal. I mean, there's a couple of older packages that didn't really make the move. But there's other packages you can use in its place. So um, that's the general idea of how you go about porting your code from from two to three. So uh, obviously, there's a lot of details in the in the middle of all that, but uh, that'll that's the kind of the large outline. Now, um, you know, in general, we've been seeing interest and adoption of Python rise, you know, because of all of the the data issues and mm -hmm. machine learning rising up. So, how do you see, um, you know, Python continuing to be used in the future, and how is Python three going to play a role? Python three is uh, you know obviously it's the engine behind data science these days um, and in a, in a lot of ways um, data science has kind of coalesced around python and 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 I don't mean to discount other languages obviously R has a very strong place in and uh, statistics and things like Java and go have sort of emerging um, data science uh, ecosystems but it really all the the world class uh, data science is being done in, in Python. And, and obviously, underneath the hood, it's not just Python. I mean, a lot of these math libraries that everybody relies on today, um, you know, NumPy, SciPy, um, a lot of this work is all done in C libraries that are underneath the hood. And even some of those even rely on Fortran code, um, just to show you the, the, you know, the foundations, how far they go back. Because once you write a really good math library, there's not necessarily any reason why to write it in something else if it's working well. Um, but the, the core of all that is meant to work with Python 3. And that really is the leading edge today. And I don't see how you know, other languages are really going to overcome that in the future. There's just so much, um, there's just so much code that's been built up that uh, every, and then all of the fantastic data science libraries written on top of it that 
Um, you know, Python is really where it's at when it comes to data science, and Python 3, like I said, is really the engine behind that. So, um, yeah, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And, and I will say that when we talk about Python 2, you know, there was um, a fair amount of data science being done in Python 2 as well, but most of the major packages, uh, for instance, like TensorFlow and others, uh, they have stopped supporting uh, Python 2 at pretty early uh, revisions. So, you know, you're not really looking at wanting to even really do any real data science. I mean, you can do lots of uh, data analysis and things in Python 2, but to really do, you know, hardcore data science, machine learning, you really want to be on Python 3. Now, I know um, ActiveState does a lot of work with Python also. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are your Python offerings and, um, you know, what you guys are working on? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at ActiveState, we, we have several things going on. So traditionally, we've always had our distributions. So um, we were one of the founding me members of the Python Software Foundation. Um, you know, we have contributions in the core. Uh, we support a number of Python packages in the community. Um, and so we've always produced uh, a distribution called Active Python, which is uh, for both Python 2 and 3, where we have a, a sort of a large set of packages that we pre-compile and then you can, you can just download and use um, across you know, pretty much any platform. Although these days it's pretty much coalesced around the big three, so uh, Linux, Windows, and Mac OS. Um, and then on top of that, we've actually got a platform where we're exposing our, our build tooling so that anybody can come in and say, hey, I want to make my own custom build. I want my own Python that has all my dependencies in it. And this is free for anybody to use. You can just come in and give it a, a whirl. And again, with Python 2 and Python 3, and uh, we're exposing really the, all of the build tooling, the build engineering that we worked up for about the last 20 years or so. Um, and like anything, when you're building something across a gigantic ecosystem, that doesn't mean everything's going to work all the time. No difference if you're using PIP today. Um, you know, you may find yourself in a situation where you can't get all the packages you want built in the way you want it without some a little bit of wrangling. Um, but it's amazing how much that we've been able to automate away already. And uh, so I definitely encourage people to check that out and uh, to see what we're doing. So. Awesome. Um, that's all the time we are going to have for today. Do you have any last thoughts about, um, you know, end of life for Python 2 or the Python 3? Well, I think the, the really the last thing to say here is a, is a shout out to the community and the amount of work they've put in to keep both of these, um, you know, huge versions of Python running. All the maintainers, the core language. Um, I know Benjamin Peterson did the, the last release of 2718. Um, just so much work has been done and it's, you know, Python has such an amazing community and I, I encourage everybody to, to check it out and contribute. Great. Well, thank you again, Jeff, so much for joining us today. And until next time, you guys have been listening to What the Dev.